This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. Before we get started with the Christmas edition of the Talk of Fame Network, and Ronnie, is it okay to say that? Okay to say Christmas? Well, as the most politically incorrect man on the planet, Feliz Navidad, amigos! There you go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Jose Feliciano. Anyway, we had a significant announcement this week, and no, I'm not talking about the Miss Universe pageant or anything involving Odell Beckham Jr. Talk about Charles Woodson, Oakland Raiders defensive back. He announced his retirement. And the guy's had a really storied career, and I think he's one of the best defensive backs of his year. In fact, uh, Ron, you'll be interested in this. Rodney Harrison, friend of the show, <laughs> called him, in my opinion, quote, the best defensive back of all time, unquote. Wow. Uh, that's why he's say, not a personnel man. Yeah, that's right. But Goose, uh, dare I say it, uh, I, I don't know he's the best defensive back of all time, but I know you can't stand this, but I do think he's a... Uh, Future Hall of Famer. Well, Clark, six years down the road, he'll certainly be in the discussion. And if there's a cornerback deserving of first ballot recognition, it, it's Woodson. He, he's tied for fifth on the all-time interception list with 65. But the player he's tied with isn't in the Hall of Fame, Ken Riley. Now, if Woodson gets three more interceptions in the final two games, he'll move in a tie for fourth place. And the guy he'd share that rung with, Dick Nitrain Lane, the greatest cornerback of all time, is in Canton. So that puts him in Hall of Fame. <laughs> so I'm wow. guessing you, you don't think he's the best defensive back of all time. You like Nitrain Lane. Dick Nitrain Lane. There you go. Uh, anyway, all I know is he did just about everything, guys. He had a Super Bowl, All-Pro, All-Decade, Defense Player of the Year. What's his legacy, Goose? What's this guy's legacy? Now, all the stuff that you mentioned provides great lines and a resume, but it's all been done before. There have been cornerbacks who won Super Bowls, cornerbacks who were all pro, all decade, and defensive players of the year. But his legacy is the one distinction no other cornerback can claim. Charles Woodson is the only defensive player ever to win the Heisman Trophy. He was a great high school player. He earned Ohio's Mr. Football Awards as a senior. He was a great college player, winning the Heisman, and he was a great player in the NFL with those interceptions. Great players belong in Canton. Ronnie? Well, uh, I have to agree with the Gooseman on that. Uh, you know, great player for a long time. High level of excellence. But when I think of the guy, I really think of what he, he said last week when he was asked what he'd miss most after football. He said, I'll miss standing on the sidelines during the national anthem and listening to those words. To me, that's a guy with some wisdom and a guy who gets it. Yeah, and a, and a class guy. You know, when he made this announcement, he did it in front of the local media, which I thought was class. He said, you guys are here every day. I'm doing it for you. Um, anyway, I thought that was a class move. Yeah. Charles yeah. Woodson, congratulations on a great career. And we will, Goose, we will see him in Canton. Another guy we may see there someday's Hall of Fame semifinals, Carl Mecklenburg. We're going to have him on the show today. We'll also be talking with Jamal Lewis about his career. And the Ravens-Steelers rivalries, our greatest rivalry series, continues. And speaking of Baltimore, guys, we're going to hear from kicker Justin Tucker and not about the Ravens or the Baltimore-Pittsburgh series, but about his voice. What about it? it? Well. (laughs) 
believe it or not. Wow. That's Justin Tucker. Kicker I was just going to say, why, why is Pavarotti on the show? That's yeah, nice. it's pretty nice. But wow. we're not done, guys. We're also going to be hearing from Bill Hancock, executive director of the college football playoff, and someone who's going to tell us what's in store for the semifinal round next week. And, of course, we have our State Your Case segment with Joe Jacoby, Push for the Hall, as well as some of this year's best and worst gifts. But before we do, let's turn to the last two weeks of the season. And, guys, tell me what you see. Goose? You're in the NFC East with Dallas. They're not going to win it, but who will? Here is a shaky vote for the Redskins. Ah. One win, one win in the last two games will do it. But both are on the road against Philadelphia and Dallas, and the Redskins are just one and five on the road this season. Ron, do you think that pick has anything to do with the fact that Kirk Cousins went to Michigan? Spartacus! Spartacus! It's unbelievable, even on Christmas Week. There, that's right. Is <laughs> there that he goose? Is. is that goose? Hey, Ronnie. <laughs> For the yeah, sixth exactly. straight year, you're going to be home for the first week of the playoffs because exactly. you're Patriots. Yeah, for the sixth straight year, they drew a bye. And they may wind up with a home field advantage. So, question for you. Who can beat them? Well, I think, Clark, that they, you know, they're wounded ducks at the moment, which makes them vulnerable, in my opinion, to anybody. But they won't go down without a fight. Uh, they're not the same team they were in October. Their offense hasn't scored 30 points in seven games. They've scored one touchdown or fewer in the second half of four of the last five games. You know, because uh, of their missing players but they are winners and they're going to be a tough out yeah we're winners too and we're not going down without a fight up next former denver linebacker and now hall of fame semifinalist carl mecklenburg you're listening to the talk of fame network any tom dick or harry can tell you that geico could save you money on car insurance but since money talks why not go straight to the source hey harry's money here and the day harry went to geico.com and switched his car insurance was the day i got to hang around finally boys bonding bada bing bada boom no wonder geico is 97 percent customer satisfaction personally i give him a hundred but that's just my two cents that was funny Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? <coughs> hey, want to step into my cough cloud? Your what? Baby, when I cough, I expel a cloud of droplets that hangs in the air all around me. It's wet, wild, and potentially virus-filled. And it's big enough for two. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. So take Robitussin DM Max. It soothes your throat and delivers fast, powerful cough relief. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. one 644 now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. We've got a winner right here. 
Carl Mecklenburg, a.k.a. the Albino Rhino, may have been the most <laughs> versatile defensive player in NFL history. He didn't play both ways, not like Chuck Bednarik, but for 12 years he played nearly everywhere in the Denver defense. His resume tells you he was a six-time Pro Bowler linebacker, but what it doesn't say is that he played every front seven position in Joe Collier's 3-4 defense. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes, all in the same game. When he retired after the 94 season, Carl Mecklenburg was the Broncos' all-time sack leader with 79 and a half. And today, 21 years later, he's not only second only to Simon Fletcher, the team franchise, but one of 25 semifinalists for the Hall's class of 2016. He's also our guest. Carl, thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Well, Carl, I was talking to Joe Collier uh, not too long ago, and he said that uh, you often had double and triple the assignments of everybody else on defense. So I'm just sort of wondering, you know, Playing at one time or another seven different positions, as, as Clark said, how did you juggle preparation to play all those different positions? And did it ever, in your opinion, take you away from what you might have accomplished in just one position? I, I don't think it took me away from what I would have accomplished in one position. The only reason Joe moved me around was to uh, force mismatches and, and mess up blocking assignments for the other uh, other team. He was trying to put me at the point of attack. I was I was a 12th round draft pick. I was a 310th guy picked in the draft because I wasn't the fastest guy in the world. <laughs> I was quick, but I, if I was playing outside linebacker and they were running the other way, there was no way I was going to run them down. So Joe moved me around, uh, and it was it was a great opportunity for me. I, I didn't ever look at it as a negative. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you. This is incredible to me. You failed to make your high school hockey team, basketball team, and baseball team. <laughs> Uh, you failed yeah. to get a D1 scholarship originally. You went to Augustana for a couple of years before you transferred to Minnesota. And then, as you point out, uh, you were a 12th-round draft choice. Did you ever doubt yourself and your athletic ability? You know, I, I learned ways to compensate. The real difference, um, once you get to the pros, between the guys that are, are real successful and those that aren't are the, those who are able to be decisive. If you can take that first step in the right direction before anybody else does, all the angles change in your favor. You can uh, you can make plays all day long that way. I always figured if I had to run 40 yards, uh, we were in big trouble anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not the albino rhino. Uh-uh, he can run 40 yards. <laughs> we're I can run with... 40 yards. It's just not as fast as a lot of the other guys. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, we're with that rhino. That's Carl Mecklenburg on the Talk of Fame Network. And, and Carl, there's a story that says the Broncos discovered you when they were watching film of Chris Hinton, and you beat him. For two sacks. Now I remember Chris because I was covering the Colts when they when the Broncos drafted him, and then of course in 1983 when they traded him to Baltimore for John Elway and took you. Was that good luck on the Broncos' fortune, or the Broncos' part, or was it simply good scouting? You know, uh, they they did send two different scouts to scout me, ran me through the whole batch of tests they run you through. I, I wasn't invited to the combine that year, so uh, they kind of had had me to themselves. Atlanta was looking at me, and Atlanta would have drafted me uh, in a higher round than the 12th round. They were talking about the 7th round. But their first two draft choices were defensive linemen, pass rushers, which is what I was in, in college. It wasn't until my third year in the NFL that I ever played linebacker and didn't start till the 10th game and made the Pro Bowl that year as an all-pro linebacker. So uh, I, was, I was a late bloomer and, and really found my, my place in, in football there uh, you know, in my third year. And it and it's kudos to Joe. I mean, Joe and, and uh, Merle Moore, uh, Joe Collier and Merle Moore, identified uh, something about me that, that they thought they could take advantage of and, and use uh, as a linebacker, and no other coach had ever seen that. 
That was a pretty good draft for Denver. You start with Elway and you finish with you. Worked out. You know, we actually had 13 rookies make it that year. It wow! Was wow! Year where, yeah, it was crazy. It was a, it was a, uh, a purge year. I think is what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> you, remember those 12 round, those 12 round drafts? So they went forever. I mean, they just went forever in the middle of the night. You know, it's unreal because people today think 12 rounds. That's crazy. But that was a real. Yeah, you know, it was, and I was a second. I was a second thought. I mean, it was it was midnight on the second day, and uh, Jenny Ann. The uh, the the Broncos uh, secretary called me up, and it wasn't even the coach. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we got a we got a plane ticket for you. Come on over. Uh, at that time, the USFL was also in in contention for players, so they were they were kind of whining and dining us and bringing us in uh, to to hope that that we'd come to our their training camp instead of I guess it was the World League back then. Yeah, or USFL, I guess. You know, I read somewhere that uh, winning that that you you had told somebody at one point that the winning the '86 AFC Championship game in Cleveland uh, was one of your most memorable uh, moments. And my recollection was some crazy things went on the night before the game. Do you remember that game? And do you remember how oh, much yeah. sleep you got in <laughs> Cleveland that night? Yeah, they they drove around our hotel all night. We were at kind of a downtown tower hotel. There was an alley behind it. They the Browns fans drove around our hotel in a circle all night long, honking their horns and, and barking, <laughs> trying to keep us awake. Uh, it was it was us against the world. I mean, we had drawn, we had driven down um, to the stadium from the hotel on Saturday. You got to get there a day early, so we were down there on Saturday just to do a walkthrough and stuff. And it it was like uh, someone had set off the neutron bomb. There was not a, a soul living in downtown. <laughs> downtown Cleveland on a Saturday uh, at that point uh, obviously they've they've upgraded down there but back then it was it was uh, a dead zone and, and the next day as we're driving down there the whole route was lined with with Browns fans throwing dog bones at our at our bus and barking at us and yelling at us and cussing at us it was it was it was us against the world there's no doubt about that where were those fans after the game i didn't see them I know. <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> hey carl um only four broncos are in the hall of fame and, and you know denver's been to the super bowl seven times but only four broncos in the hall of fame and you've been a semifinalist five straight years but never reached the finals question for you all offensive players too yeah that's players. right that is that is right that's yeah, right. In fact, right in fact we were pushing steve atwater on a recent show for the hall of fame too i mean you've got gratishar you atwater i mean there are numbers of guys um and i guess my question is had your team won one of the three super bowls that you played in do you think things might have been different either for you or the broncos in canton you know i'm not sure uh it you know it, there there's lots of guys in canton who never played in a in a super bowl uh, never, there's guys in the in Canton who never played in a playoff game. Uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting the different kind of filters that people use to decide whether someone's a Hall of Fame player or not. I mean, Randy Gratisher was an unbelievable player. He, he he was dominant, but but they say, well, he played for ten years. He didn't he didn't play as long as some guys. We've got a Louis Wright out here who was just uh, yeah. the uh, original shutdown corner. Right. Uh, and he doesn't get mentioned. We got Dennis Smith, who was he was scared running backs. I mean, uh, he, I heard interv- uh, an interview of Thurman Thomas about uh, what about the Broncos, and he said that Dennis Smith is crazy. I don't like. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want. I mean, it, we we had some unbelievable players through the years uh, here here in Denver that uh, obviously deserve recognition, um, but 
there's there's players across the league that deserve recognition and and it's it's a i mean my situation is strange because I played all seven front positions uh and my statistics don't match up with someone who just played one position i don't mm-hmm. I don't have as many sacks as somebody who rushed the passer every right. down I don't have some you know as many interceptions or tackles as someone who played middle linebacker every down it's, so so i I think one of the challenges that I face in in uh, having the opportunity to go to the the Hall of Fame is is that statistically uh, people don't know what to do with me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking though this year uh, with with uh, some of the things JJ Watt is doing and and Clay Matthews are doing um, as far as moving around and you know obviously Matthews is just moving around as a linebacker and Watt is just moving around as a lineman. But uh, may, maybe the uh, difficulty of of being able to play. You know, all seven front positions. A lot of times in a single game, maybe uh, is is brought to light a little bit by what they're able to do. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because we had Roger Craig also on recently, and he talked about how versatility he thinks hurt him because he came as a fullback and became a halfback, and he went to the Pro Bowl as both. But he doesn't have the rushing yardage um, that people would like to see, and yet he caught a zillion passes. And yet the versatility, as he said seems to be lost, and yet today we're looking for those versatile players. And you talked about, you know, on defense, Watt, Matthews, the same thing on offense, looking for guys who can catch the ball coming out of the backfield, guys who can run. He did that, and yet he's in the same boat. He can't break through to the final 15, although he did it once in 2010, but it hasn't since. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it, it's a subjective thing. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and we, we, had, uh, we had some dominant defenses uh, when, I, when I was playing here in Denver, a lot of, a lot of big wins, uh, I know John gets the credit for uh, you know all those comebacks, but we had to let the other team get ahead first. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Thanks, thanks for the help. Day. Yeah, thanks for the help. <laughs> hey, Carl, we've got about we've got about two minutes left, but uh, and we're with Carl Mecklenburg on the Talk of Him Network. I want to ask you. I mean, your father was a doctor. Mom served in the Reagan administration. You were close, I think, to attending med school. Uh, why football over medical career? I knew I loved football, uh, pre-med, and I and I took the entrance exam and and scored well enough to go, but. But pre-med doesn't have a whole lot to do with being a doctor. It's kind of a weeding out process. I mean, mm. you, you don't see a lot of doctors doing inorganic chemistry or, you know, I mean, whatever, all the, <laughs> right. all the stuff right. you have to do. I knew I loved football, so uh, I thought I'd, I'd play football, hopefully, uh, you know, hang on for a year or two to help fund medical school. And, and lo and behold, uh, I was a pro player and, and, a, and a great one. So it was uh, it was a... A wonderful opportunity. I wouldn't change anything about it. We we uh, we had great teams and and played like I said in some some awesome games and and a lot of those guys are still my best friends in the world. So it was uh, it was a great experience and I, and I'm glad I made that choice. You've been outspoken and involved in the concussion issue uh, in the you're battling the effects of concussions yourself. Now you've got the new concussion movie coming out with Mills, uh, Will Smith playing. Uh, uh, Dr. Omalu, a uh, do you feel the NFL is is doing uh, is doing the right thing now or doing uh, better now? And B, do you intend on going to see that concussion movie when it comes out uh, on Christmas Day? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. You Very almost good. got me there. Very good. Very good. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, truthfully, um, yeah. I mean, I have issues. Uh, I'm 55 years old, um, and and you know, my phone's full of photographs of parking spots and hotel room numbers and, and stuff that I, I just don't remember. But uh, I've learned to adjust in, a lot, in, in, in much the same way that I learned to adjust uh, to the lack of blazing uh, 40 time in the NFL. You just you, you figure out ways around challenges. I'm, I'm 
so happy that uh, that the dangers of concussions ha have come to the come to the forefront. That that there's been a light sh shown on that. Carl, thanks for the time and best of luck with your Hall of Fame candidacy. Let's get I to appreciate the final it. Uh, yep, sounds great. Thanks. Thank you. Carl. Thank you. That was Hall of Fame semifinalist Carl Mecklenburg. Coming up, we'll give, receive, and re-gift for the holidays. Ron, do you re-gift? Boy, kidding me? All the time. You get bad ties from bad people. <laughs> well, we are bad people, but we're going to commercial. We're listening, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. <coughs> hey, want to step into my cough cloud? Your what? Baby, when I cough, I expel a cloud of droplets that hangs in the air all around me. It's wet, wild, and potentially virus-filled. And it's big enough for two. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. So take Robitussin DM Max. It soothes your throat and delivers fast, powerful cough relief. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Simple Green. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Hi, Tom Bodet trying out this Paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. Well, I'm Tom Bodet for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and who's doesn't, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that may be slowing down your computer. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com. Also brought to you by Proactive, where for just $19.95, Ron, you can get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush valued at $45. I'm Does a Proactive kind of guy, as you know. Yeah, so am I. Does that sound good? It's because it is. Excellent. Yeah, what's better is you get clear and stay clear or your money back. Call 1-800-644-9544. That's 1-800-644-9544. Uh, guys, I want to go back to Carl Mecklenburg for a second. Um, as we heard, you know, as you know, he was a versatile and invaluable piece of that Broncos Orange Crush defense. He's also a semifinalist this year for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, I know we all would like to see him to the final 15 simply because we want to hear him discussed. But I'm not optimistic, and the reason is not so much Carl Mecklenburg, but because of where he played, which is Denver. And, Goose, I know you've drawn this to my attention before. The Broncos have been to seven Super Bowls. They have four players who spent the bulk of their careers with the Broncos who are in Canton. So, Rick, how is this possible? I mean, is there 
dare I say it, a bias against the city, the team, or Colorado? I think that the voters for the longest time have held something against teams that don't win Super Bowls. The players who have been eligible, the players who have been passed over in Denver, were the guys who lost those three Super Bowls, the Mecklenburgs, the Gratishars, the Louis Wrights. You guys know the stigma. 68% of everyone in Canton won a championship. If you don't win, the road to Canton is longer and tougher. Now, the two Denver teams that did win Super Bowls came in the late 90s and only now are turning up as candidates. A Gary Zimmerman, a Shannon Sharp, Terrell Davis, Steve Atwater. And you note that the three of the four Denver and Shrinies have Super Bowl rings, Elway, Sharp, and Zimmerman. And the other guy in is a senior candidate. Yeah, and you mentioned Floyd Little. Uh, and you guys had to fight to get him in there as a senior member several years ago. Ronnie, did you learn anything about Denver in the hall then? Invited well, the choir in. <laughs> yeah, I like the choir, actually. Uh, <laughs> I actually learned a couple things, uh, one of which I don't, I don't think, uh, frankly, no disrespect to anybody, he said, as he prepares to disrespect people. Uh, but I just think not everybody on the on, on the committee fully understands, in my opinion, at least what a Hall of Famer is, which if you understood that, you'd understand what Floyd Little was. Um, in Mecklenburg's case, I think he's a classic example of two things. One, Goose already discussed, which is... Uh, the lack of the championship ring. The other is uh, no stats. You know, he played too many different positions. He played them all great, frankly. Uh, Archellos used to say, I hate that guy. He never stands in the same place twice. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it was and it was true. And one minute he's a nose tackle. Next minute he's defensive end. Now he's a stand-up outside linebacker. Now he's standing in the middle. What's he doing? Now he's in coverage. Now he's sacking the quarterback. Well, when you do all those things, you look at your interceptions and you go, eh, if you're just a stats geek, you look at his sacks and you go, and that's a problem, uh, I think, for him. So he's got the sort of Denver double whammy, uh, the positional whammy of no stats and the the Denver whammy of being on those teams that didn't win Super Bowls. Of course, having said that, as Goose well knows, they only should have been to two Super Bowls in those era because they stole one from the Raiders in 1977 <laughs> officials call. Yeah, of course they did. Hey, Ron, I'm not a stats geek. I'm a Christmas geek, so I, you know I love this time of year, and I love that music. Derek, turn it up. I want to hear that song. Yeah. I, I love that song, you know, and, and when I hear that song, I, I think of what we like most about this time of year. And I'm not talking about giving, I'm talking about giving and giving back. It's Christmas and uh, there are plenty of gifts out there we'd like to keep, exchange, or maybe, Ron, as we said earlier, just maybe re-gift. I know Jerry Seinfeld, I like yeah, Jerry Seinfeld wasn't high on that, but I think we are here. Um, it, or maybe just uh, a gift we could put on the head of someone in the Philippines instead of Columbia. Okay, anyway, <laughs> this is your chance, and there were plenty of gifts out there this season, plenty of them, some good, some bad, and some ugly. So here is your chance to do whatever you want with them. Goose, you're first up. D'Angelo Williams, the gift that keeps on giving in Pittsburgh. Discarded by the Panthers last offseason, the Steelers signed the former Pro Bowler as an insurance poly policy at running back. You know, Pittsburgh already had the AFC's leading rusher in Spartan Le'Veon Bell. So Williams figured to spend lots of time on a sideline watching the season. But when Bell went down at midseason with a knee injury, the Steelers cashed that insurance policy. He's had 300-yard rushing games and nine touchdowns to keep the Steelers afloat in the playoff race. I'd keep that gift, and so would the Steelers. Merry Christmas! Ronnie? Well, for me, you know, uh, it's actually right here in Foxborough, the uh, great gift that the New Orleans Saints were willing to give the Patriots in October when they traded... Uh, Akeem Hicks, the defensive tackle for uh, Michael 
who Amana Wanui, who I was happy to see go, just so I didn't have to say who was Amana Wanui. Michael who? Can you say that who? again? <laughs> who man? Who man? We like to call him who man. <laughs> no disrespect to who man. Glad to see him leave. But, you know, uh, he was uh, Hicks when he got here. You know, that was like a small package at the bottom of your Santa stocking, you know, between the walnuts and the tangerine that you got back as a, as a boy. Uh, nice, but no big deal. Uh, but he's been playing bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, he started off as kind of a run stuff and drain plug, which he was really good at. And now he's starting to make some noise, you know, killing quarterbacks. So, uh, Really a great gift from the New Orleans Saints. They needed a guy like uh, Hicks in New England to play the way he has. And, you know, I personally feel anybody from the University of Regina, wherever that is, is my kind of guy. Wow. <laughs> Apparently Santa yeah. likes that too. Yeah. Um, that, was Bella. that was Belichick. That was Belichick. Right? <laughs> that was that was gorgeous. Um, hey, listen, eight months ago, uh, or somewhere around there, Goose, I know you know this, Philadelphia Eagles spent what? $40 million on running back to Marco Murray. And I know you felt, and I felt, as if he was the MVP last year for that Dallas Cowboys team that won the division. But the, the Eagles signed him ostensibly to be their premier running back. And it really sounded like a good idea at the time. Except it wasn't. And the stink. guy has been... Yeah. Stank. Stunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. The guy has been a complete bust. So bad that he's carried 21 times the past three weeks. He used to carry 21 times, Goose, in what, the first three quarters? past three weeks. He's had 61 yards. It's under three yards to carry. Uh, bad? No. Worse. In fact, it was the Grinch. And no, not Ron, not Bill Belichick or your editor. It was the Grinch who summed up Murray's performance in three words. And hit it against Grinch, baby. Stink. Stank. Stunk. You know what? This one's marked return to sender, Goose. I'm sending it back to your cowboys. Okay, I'm looking under the tree, and I see a couple of gifts that remain unwrapped. The tree is in Los Angeles, and the gifts are two football teams, the St. Louis Rams and the San Diego Chargers. The City of Angels can't wait to get their hands on this pair of former Angelinos and their combined 10-18 and 18 <laughs> record this season. In another year, the Los Angeles... Town folk may want to send these gifts back from where they came. Stink. Stank. Stump. I think we like that one. We do. We do like Who's that. Who's that going to be? Send them back. Who are they going to send back? The Chargers, the Rams, or the Raiders, Goose? All of the above. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Ron, guess what? You're next up in the Secret Whoa. Santa here. Well, you know, if there's ever something you want to re-gift, it's Rex Ryan who arrived in <laughs> Buffalo looking like Santa Claus with an attitude. Now he just looks like someone who took a 9-7 and team and turned it into a loser. He took one of the NFL's best defenses and turned it into a defense that's 21st overall and 23rd in pass defense. <laughs> Rex is not only the Grinch who stole Christmas, he's the Grinch who stole Buffalo's defense. <laughs> so what are you doing with that gift? You sending him back? Sending him back. Stunk. Stink. Stank. Stunk. <laughs> well, I might as well stay with that theme because under this tree over here, we've got Dean Blandino and NFL officials. And uh, that's, that's pretty optimistic and that's joyful. There's nothing joyful about what's going on here. I, I'm not even going to see what, what they say. I, I, I just, listen, I'm not going to see anything that says to Dean or the officials under the street because I'm not interested. I've seen what they did this year, and I agree with 
what Jim Caldwell say the other night. Uh, I, I'm beyond commenting on these guys. I, I can't. I can't say it anymore. It, they're simply stink, yeah. stank, yeah. stunk. You got it, Jim. They're damaging the game. So you know what? I'm re-gifting these guys, and I'm passing them on to Ivy League football co-champion Ron. Who is that? Not Harvard. Dartmouth yeah. College. Dartmouth College to see if it can teach these guys something, anything about how the game should be played. The NFL received a gift last May that was three months in the making and cost millions of dollars. That gift was called the Wells Report on Deflategate. Uh. Now, I'm not sure anyone wants to keep that gift at this point. Not Tom Brady, <laughs> not Roger Gill, Goodell, and not even Ted Wells himself. It became the ultimate Christmas gag gift, except it was delivered six months early. And I'm gonna re-gift this one. To our own Clark Judge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who led that investigation? Was it Mary Wells? <laughs> Don Wells. <laughs> Ron, we're almost out of time, but you got to have something. Well, you know, uh, playing back on your theme, you know, when you take these officials, really you don't have to give back the officials, Clark. We all used to get whistles when we were little boys and girls in our stocking because our parents couldn't afford much of anything else. Just take the whistles away from them. Let them stand around. They can chat with each other <laughs> like they do. They don't Just don't blow any whistles. Don't do anything silly. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm blowing a whistle on all of us. That's the end of this segment. Coming up, we're going to be talking to Bill Hancock, executive director of the college football playoff, and find out what's ahead for the semifinal next week. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. <coughs> hey. Want to step into my cough cloud? Your what? Baby, when I cough, I expel a cloud of droplets that hangs in the air all around me. It's wet, wild, and potentially virus-filled. And it's big enough for two. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. So take Robitussin DM Max. It soothes your throat and delivers fast, powerful cough relief. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. one 5944 would you like a cleaning product that can be used in the garage, the laundry, and the kitchen, and save space in your cabinet? Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Concentrated all-purpose Simple Green is the answer for versatile cleaning throughout your home and garage. I'm so certain you'll love Simple Green. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. To learn more, visit us at SimpleGreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. 
Talk to the Network's brought to you by Proactive, where for just $19.95 you can get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush valued at $45. That sounds good. It's because it is. What's better, of course, is that you get clear and stay clear or your money back. Call 1-800-644-9544. We're also brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly and whose doesn't, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis and within minutes you can download software that may be slowing down your computer. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com. For more details about Hall of Famers, you come here, and our next guest qualifies as a Hall of Famer. He's a recent inductee. Bill Hancock was a 2015 enshrinee in the state of Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Bill graduated from the University of Oklahoma and has been a lifelong supporter of his alma mater and fan of its football team. But in his capacity as executive director, of the college football playoff, he can't be a fan of the Sooners or anyone else. He's got to be a fan of every team, certainly the four best teams that constitute the playoff bracket, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, and Goose's Michigan State. So, Bill, thanks for joining us. And uh, just a reminder, there is no cheering in this press box. <laughs> well, hi, guys. Uh, thank you for inviting me to be on. You got it. Hey, Bill, uh, What's a better week for you in December, Christmas week or the following week when the college football playoff begins? Oh, my goodness. Christmas goes by in a heartbeat for those of us who work in postseason football. Uh, we, we, our staff works all during the week. Uh, we give them a week off in July to make up for it. But um, for me, church on Christmas Eve, a little time with the family, Christmas Day, a little eggnog, and then back to work. So... As much as I'm embarrassed to admit it, I would say that playoff week is more exciting. Bill, there was some controversy uh, last year over who was let in and who was left out of the inaugural playoff. Did the committee get it right this year? Are these the four teams that deserve to be playing for a championship? Yeah, the committee got it right. Really, the stress point this year was on teams 5-6-7, that uh, Iowa-Stanford-Ohio State grouping. We're lucky that this committee doesn't have any strings attached uh their task is to to rank the best four teams and yeah they, they these are the right four well you've been around uh, football for a long time uh obviously bill and uh excluding doug flutie's boston college cotton bowl team uh <laughs> what's the best football team you've ever seen putting them aside or, or anyone with michigan state <laughs> oh well i th- this is a great question um could I say it was our Thursday afternoon touch football team? That ran <laughs> sure. Yes, you can. In 1979 can. in Prairie Village, Kansas. <laughs> um, you know, you have to remember I'm a Midwestern guy. Um, so really the best team I've ever seen was Nebraska 1971. Yeah. Uh, Rich Glover, Johnny Rogers, just awesome on both sides of the ball. Really they were, they were undefeated and, and really untested. Um, except for that game against uh, the Sooners on Thanksgiving Day. I like the USC team. I'm going to give you a couple more here because I, I think about sure. this a lot. I like the USC team that wound up losing to Vince Young in that Rose Bowl, epic Rose Bowl game. Uh, Miami, 2001, I got to see that team play. Texas, 69, uh, one of the, the first great wishbone team. And really the Oklahoma team in 1974 with the Selmans and Joe Washington. Uh, the, all of us, you guys too, and, and me, have been so lucky to get to see so many great teams in our careers. Well, Bill, I didn't hear you mention the 1970 Dartmouth College football team, but that's where <laughs> I went. And that's, the, and that's the best team I ever saw. <laughs> We're with Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and Bill, in the first round 
of the playoff. I understand you'll be at the Orange Bowl semifinal involving Oklahoma and Clemson. Is that right? I will be, and I do okay. remember that Dartmouth team. That was Bob Blackman, as I recall, that, correct? That's, that is right, and Jim Chasey was the quarterback. You've you got a very good yep. memory. You're absolutely right. But yep. um, you're going to be at the Oklahoma-Clemson game instead of the Dartmouth-Harvard game. Any <laughs> chance you're going to wear your Oklahoma Hall of Fame blazer to that game? <laughs> Well, actually, the Hall of Famers receive a nice little medal, uh, sort of like uh, third place in the Olympics. Um, so, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear my neutral college football playoff blue blazer. <laughs> good idea. That's <laughs> a good idea. Crimson and cream socks, though, Bill? <laughs> uh, no socks, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bill, so, so handicapped for us. Who do you expect to crown as a national champion next month? Oh, my goodness. Um, I really don't know. Uh, I think any of these four teams can win the tournament. Um, how's that for a non-answer? <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, wow. That's... You should be in that next pre- like... next presidential debate. You fit right in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if, I guess if I were a politician, I would have said that Rick's Spartans would be in there. But uh, I, I think any of them can win it. What did well, the committee learn from the, over two years from last year? Learn that our systems work, yeah. that we have really good protocol, that it's, it, it, it works to evaluate small groups of teams against each other. We never compare any more than six or maybe eight teams, and that lets the committee take a really deep dive. You know, always before in college football in the, in the, in the polls, as you guys know, people just brought in their top 25 laid it on a table and somebody averaged it and that was it nobody has ever really taken the kind of deep dive that our committee did this year they learned they knew each other better they learned that which they knew last year but they were it was confirmed that everybody needs to say what's on their mind and then through after debate they, they take their votes we had a good process last year it worked and uh, i felt really good about it this year too how do you avoid bill uh, uh or how does the committee avoid uh, sort of being afraid of the kind of wild card team that's really great, at least a lot of us think they're great, but they don't quite fit the the, the competition mold. Uh, will a team like that ever be able to get in this game? Yeah, they will. Um, that's the beauty of the human committee. They, they, they can look at everybody. Um, you know, Ohio State last year uh, surprised everybody with what they did against Wisconsin and in, in, obviously in the Big Ten game, and then surprised a lot of people with what they did in our game. People were uncertain about Iowa this year, but they just kept winning. And then obviously had had the great game against Michigan State. Let me ask you guys a question while I'm thinking about it. Have you ever seen a drive like that drive by Michigan State in that Big Ten game? God, we could risk Goslin that question. Of course he's going to drive. Greatest drive in the history of college football. <laughs> oh, man, you, you teed that up for him, Bill. That, yeah, that thanks, Bill. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we, te- we just teed that up for you, too, Bill. We're out of time, unfortunately, but thanks so much for joining us, and good luck with the playoff. It's been great, guys. Thanks. Thanks, nice, Bill. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. That was Bill Hancock, executive director of the college football playoff. And this, uh, this is the two-minute drill. Rick's going to ask, hopefully no questions about the Spartans. God. Ron and I are going to answer it. Our producer, Derek Burns, will take over Pete for Pete Morelli with a clock. Do it better than Pete, would you please, Derek? Goose, hit it. If Dean Spanos moves the charges to L.A., should the city of San Diego be allowed to keep the logos, colors, and team nickname? Yes. Keep the chargers and let Dean go. 
No, just the powder blue jerseys. Who else wants those? Buffalo led the league of 54 sacks a year ago. The Bills have 20 this season. Where is the pass rush gone? With Rex over Niagara in a barrel. <laughs> the Duffs for too many orders of five alarm wings. <laughs> Peyton Manning or Brock Osweiler? Manning, just a hunch, Goose, but I think he can produce a second half point. Osweiler for another week. Then let's see where he stands or where he sits. What did the Houston Texans see in Brandon Whedon that the Dallas Cowboys missed? Uh, a birthmark on his hip. <laughs> Desperation. Melvin Gordon has rushed the ball 181 times with no touchdowns for the Chargers. Assess his rookie season. Mm -hmm. Let me instead assess his blockers. Derek, hit it. Stink. Stank. <laughs> stunk. <laughs> Look, he's rushed for less than 50 yards eight times in 14 game, and he's averaging 3.5 yards a carry, Goose. Like the Chargers, he needs a jump start. Who's your assistant coach of the year? Tom Brady. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, even by your low standards. Wade no. Phillips. <laughs> when your defense is number one in nearly everything, who's doing a better job? If you were Ron Rivera, would you play for a perfect season? Yes. To quote Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Absolutely. The Colts didn't do it a few years ago, and they turned into ponies. Which franchise quarterback do you have greater reservations about these days, Andrew Luck or Matt Ryan? Ryan. He's beginning to look like Matty Lice. Oh, <laughs> Hate to agree with uh, Glocky, but yeah, Ryan, he's been going in the wrong direction for a couple years now. The Redskins are 1-5 in a row. They played their last two on the road at Philly and Dallas. With the NFC East title on the line, how many games do they win? As many as they need to win the division. One. <laughs> That's right, one. Who loses in Dallas besides the Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the first hour, but don't go anywhere. Coming up, we're going to hear from Jamal Lewis on the Ravens-Steelers series. Hear why Joe Jacoby belongs in the Hall of Fame. And listen to our favorite opera singer. Nope, he's in the NFL. It's the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly and whose computer doesn't, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. <coughs> hey, want to step into my cough cloud? Your what? Baby, when I cough, I expel a cloud of droplets that hangs in the air all around me. It's wet, wild, and potentially virus-filled. And it's big enough for two. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. So take Robitussin DM Max. It soothes your throat and delivers fast, powerful cough relief. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Welcome back to our number two of the Talk of Fame Network. We're going to be talking to former running back Jamal Lewis. 
about the Ravens-Steelers rivalry. We're going to be hearing the voice of one of the best singers I've heard in a long time, operatic singer Justin Tucker. No, I didn't say Richard Tucker. That's Justin Tucker, kicker of the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. Great stuff, guys. Whoa, I never yeah. get tired of that. Anyway, uh, before we get there, let's go to the history department. It's the time of year when games and star players take on special roles. And, Ron, you know that being in New England, you see it every year. And sometimes they intersect with memorable games associated with uh, one player, two players, but usually one. And it's the guy who's taking the bow at the end. So, for example, uh, David Tyree, Super Bowl 42. We had the David Tyree game when the Giants receiver. Uh, made that impossible catch to save a season and sink New England over a uh, friend of the show, Rodney Harrison. So, guys, let's acknowledge in this segment the best and brightest of that group. Uh, I'd like to start with the December 25th, yes, that's Christmas Day, 1971 playoff contest where the Kansas City Chiefs, Goose, your Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Miami Dolphins 27-24 in double overtime in what was the longest game in NFL history. Now, I don't remember it that way because what I remember, I was home from college vacation. I remember it as the Ed Podolak game, and I still refer to it as that for good reason. Ed Podolak accumulated a whopping 350 yards that afternoon, which is still a postseason record, and a game played in unseasonably warm temperatures. Goose, it was in the 60s in December. That's, in that, that's unusual for Kansas City, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, it was also... The Chiefs' last game in Municipal Stadium, a converted baseball park. But uh, that's one I think of. Goose, how about you? Yeah, to this day, that, that memory still haunts former uh, Chief and friend of the show, Jan Stenerup. He's the only place kicker in the hall, and that was easily the worst game of his career. He missed two field goals, had another blocked. His last miss was a 31-yarder in the closing seconds of regulation. That would have won the game. But my memory, Clark, is uh, a 1992 playoff game between the Ford Niners and Cowboys. Dallas uh, clinging to a four-point lead in the closing minutes, and everyone in the building expected the Cowboys to hand the ball to NFL rushing champion Emmett Smith and just burn the clock. But in one of the gutsiest play calls I've ever seen, with his back to his own goalpost, Troy Aikman hit Elvin Harper with a 70-yard pass on a slant that broke the 49ers and triggered the Dallas dynasty of the 1990s. Goose, I think Elvin Harper is still running. <laughs> it made Elvin Harper rich, that catch. It did. Yes, it it did. sure did. Yes, when you go to Tampa? Did. Tampa. Yeah. yeah, for a lot of money. Ron, and, you not and not many catches, as I remember. That's right, not many catches. <laughs> hey, you got a memory here, Ronnie? Oh, Christmas Eve. Everybody loves Christmas Eve, right? Where's Santa Claus? Where's the mouse? Where's the hotel? Yeah, except if you're in Baltimore. Exactly. <laughs> Christmas Eve, 1977, the famous ghost of the post game. Oh. Uh, Clark remembers it well, as do I. Uh, you know, it had been a pretty quiet first half. And then in the second half, it was kind of an scoring explosion. You know, Casper scored on a touchdown pass. Marshall Johnson, you may recall, returned an ensuing kickoff, 87 yards for a touchdown. Ted Hendricks blocked a, a, a punt, set up another uh, stable to Casper touchdown pass. And then the name that will live on in Colts history, Ron Lee, which led me to say who he scored <laughs> two touchdowns late in the game. Looks like was they're going to win the game. Wasn't he a you Confederate know, general? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, it's late in the game. Time's around. It's third and long, less than a minute to go. Uh, John Madden calls timeout. They come to the sidelines, and Madden's doing his thing. You know, he's waving. He's, he's like a crazy man on the sidelines, as always. Tom Flores, friend of the show, is standing there as assistant coach, offensive coordinator. And Stabler says, as John is ranting, fans are getting their money's worth today, aren't they, Johnny? 
True story. And Madden's like speechless, to which Flory says to him, they, they call a play in which they had two receivers going deep, and the last thing Tom Flory said to him was, why should he be in the Hall of Fame? One of the many reasons. He said, take a peek at the ghost to the post, because he had noticed both cold safeties were playing up. Sure enough, he hits them down to the 14-yard line. They kicked the field goal uh, to tie the game. And then 43 seconds into overtime, Kenny Stable hits Casper again for touchdown. And the third, what was then the third longest game and now the fifth longest game uh, is over. Right team wins, Raiders, wrong team loses. Now the real irony of that is Dave Casper said he couldn't recall ever catching a pass on that pattern that entire season, except when it counted most. Goes to the post. Well, I started listen to that overtime. music. Now there's Christmas music. <laughs> yeah, right no, there no. is Christmas music. <laughs> hey, listen, Ronnie, I started with an overtime game. I'm staying there quickly here before we finish. Miami, January 2nd, 1982. Some people call it the epic in Miami. Sports Illustrated dubbed it the game no one should have lost. To me, it's the Kellen Winslow game. Friend of the show, Kellen Winslow, Hall of Fame tight end. Caught 13 passes, 166 yards, and a touchdown. Also blocked a field goal. Great, great game. Anyway, there are two names associated with some of the best games ever, and they're Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And we're going to talk about that rivalry with former running back Jamal Lewis when we return on the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Simple Green. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodet, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? <coughs> hey, want to step into my cough cloud? Your what? Baby, when I cough, I expel a cloud of droplets that hangs in the air all around me. It's wet, wild, and potentially virus-filled. And it's big enough for two. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. So take Robitussin DM Max. It soothes your throat and delivers fast, powerful cough relief. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Here's someone who was a winner. For seven seasons in Baltimore, Jamal Lewis was the pounding force behind one of the league's most powerful running games. Fifth player chosen in the 2000 NFL Draft, Jamal was the second rookie in league history to rush for 100 yards in a Super Bowl and the youngest to score a touchdown in Baltimore's Super Bowl 35 victory. 
Jamal would go on to become the Ravens' all-time leading rusher, piling up 10,000 yards in a career that included three years with Cleveland and a 2,066-yard season, which, when he did in 2003, was the second-best ever in NFL history. Jamal Lewis, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem, no problem. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> yeah, you were pretty good, weren't you, Jamal? <laughs> uh, you know, your running style seemed to kind of, to me at least, uh, epitomize the, the hard-nosed nature of the Steeler-Ravens rivalry. What was it like the week of one of those games uh, when you were with the Ravens? Um, You know, it was just, you know, it was totally different. You know, honestly, I know guys say, you know, you prepare for – we're all games the same and this that, and the other, but with that with with that rivalry, when that week came around, you know, the whole town just shifted, you know, and it also just out of the locker room, you know, guys they were prepared different, you know, they would eat different, they would sleep different. And it was just one of those things where you knew you, you had to bring your hard hat. Uh you knew it was gonna be a all day uh uh hit a thun. So, you know, you just wanted to be ready, you know, and that was it. So it was like your level of concentration and, and your, you know, every your high beams went went up, you know, to full capacity that week. Jamal, you've probably seen more terrible towels than half the residents <laughs> of Pittsburgh. How did all those waving yellow towels affect you? And do you allow yellow towels in your bathroom these days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no yellow towels. No yellow towels. <laughs> <laughs> When they when they started uh, when they started that that was uh, you know it was overwhelming and, and it was an intimidation factor you know when either team whether they came into Baltimore or we were going going into Pittsburgh uh, it was an intimidation factor and, and it was which team can intimidate the other uh, the most and you know who was going to beat their chest uh, the most you know coming into that week uh, that was that that's what it was all about and with me. You know, I had to face Farrier and Foot and and Porter and and Palomalu and all those guys. You know, uh, every time you know going in and hey, that was a load. You was playing against some of the best in the NFL on, on one field. So I guess what you're telling me is, if I brought a yellow towel into your house, it would be a hitathon, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. We're gonna. I'm, I, I, my kids would actually take. Take <laughs> <Take> you down. <laughs> We're with Jamal Lewis on the Talk of Fame Network, and Jamal, uh, I want you to clear something up for me. I understand a woman who was old enough to be your grandmother once gave you the one-fingered salute in Pittsburgh, and it wasn't because she thought you were number one. Is that true? And do you remember? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I got that all the time. So <laughs> you, you didn't get out of uh, you know playing in, in Pittsburgh, and that was either from the from a from the players or even from the fans. And and their, their fans had their full support. So uh, anything that they could do to kind of throw you off their game, uh, that's what they would do. <laughs> your first Steeler uh, Ravens game, I believe, it was your, your your rookie year there. I think it might have been your first game actually. Was the intensity of that game shocking to a 21-year-old kid who had played at Tennessee and, and, and now you're in the middle of this thing? Well, I think that one might have been my first first game. Uh, I got a little bit of run in it, but Priest Holmes, he was the starter starting yeah. out that year. But going in and not really knowing, you know, what to expect in your first NFL game, it was it, it – was, you know, it was very interesting because you really didn't understand the rivalry, you know, at the time. You know, my mm-hmm. biggest rivalry coming out of Tennessee was Florida Gators. 
But, <laughs> you know, the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, it, it was like, you know, going into this game, you had LeVon Kirkland. You had a lot of those guys that I watched, you know, when I was younger uh, coming in. And we got the best of them. But at the same time, it was just you could tell that, you know, that week, you know, that was what it was all about. And, and that was – uh, you know, that was football at its best because you know you was going to get everything that football was about. It was going to be physical. It was going to be big plays uh, and big players making big plays, and, and that's what you had to expect. So, uh, you know, honestly, I had a front-row seat that game. I probably had about eight carries, but at the same time, I got a chance to watch a good one. Jamal, former Pittsburgh receiver Heinz Ward once said, quote, the coaches hate each other. The players hate <laughs> each other. They don't like us. We don't like them. There's no need to hide it. They know it, and we know it. Is hate too strong a word to say existed between those two teams when you face each other? No, no, it's not. That, that's not. That's, uh, that's not too strong of a word. Uh, it, it's actually best use. Uh, in that uh, but, but you just, you know, it was one of those things where when when coach came in to speak on Monday morning or or whether it was Wednesday morning when you're about to start the practice week, you know, when coach came in, it wasn't. You know, all right, fellas, you know, this is what we got to do and this is what we're going to do. It was more direct of you already know what, what, what this is about. I don't have to talk about it. I don't have to even bring it up. You know, you know what we got to do. You know how you got to prepare. It was just like it was understood, um, you know, how you were going to go in and approach that week, you know, and the coach didn't have to really say it. And, you know, you, you already knew it was it was firm attention to detail. Uh, every you know every play everything and, and and it was even the players you know the players even was you know stepping up to the plate and you know make sure that all the corrections are made and, and, and that we're ready to go because you knew you had to be a band of brothers going into that game okay Jamal we're talking with Jamal Lewis on the talk of fame network I'm going to test your patience here and <laughs> rekindle some of those memories of hated Pittsburgh when you hear this song called Renegade, this song, that's right. Do you think Heinz Field in the cold? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you love that song, don't you, Jamal? You love that song. I, I, I hate, I hate, it's, it's very annoying. <laughs> it's very annoying. It's, it's very annoying. Uh, but it's not if you play. I haven't heard that in a while. But you bringing it up, it's like, wow, you just feel like, oh, here we go. Especially when you're at their house, you know, and, and then you go in the red zone and the, 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 the red ketchup is coming down the, 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 uh, the big jumbotron in the, in the red zone and everything. You And the towers are going and you know it's oh they're they're amped up and they're ready to go <laughs> i thought you'd like that song uh, <laughs> now you had one of the greatest no. seasons obviously of anyone <laughs> yeah. Back in, yeah yeah said, yeah probably no. yeah probably not no. on your ipod i imagine <laughs> yeah. uh, you had one of the greatest seasons of any running back obviously in nfl history in 2003 uh you know 2066 yards and uh, i'm just wondering two things how did you survive that kind of pounding and what did you feel like on a Monday morning after one of those games. I mean, he had 296 yards, I think it was, in one game. Well, luckily that was the second game of the year. But at the <laughs> same time, you know, as a running back, you know, that's what you want. Like, that's what I live for. And just to be just rolled the whole game. And and and, and everything working in your favor. The offensive line is clicking. The chemistry is rolling. 
everything you worked for, worked on that week before, it, it's going. It, it's actually happening. In every play that coach call, <laughs> it's happening. And that you know that's the feeling you have. And when you go over to a ninety-six yards, you don't really get hit. You don't really get touched too much. Uh, <laughs> basically, so honestly, you're not that sore. You know, it's not as bad as an eighty. A 80-yard game that 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 you had to really struggle and fight through, which that that was more like a Pittsburgh game. You know, you get 80, 86, 88 yards in a Pittsburgh game. That was a good game running the ball, honestly, mm-hmm. in my in my book. But you know, after running for 296 yards, it was it was just a great feeling. You know, it was a great feeling. Now I would say, going on through the season around mid to late season, now that's when you start feeling feeling those yards start to wear on you and and just all the hits that you've accumulated along the way. I think I might have had 380 carries uh, that year. So it was uh, – you, you really felt it. I felt it in the offseason, I must say. <laughs> Jamal, you rushed for 1,000 yards seven times in the first nine years of your career. Missed one of those seasons due to an injury. When you see the way many teams have downplayed the running game today, do you think it's a mistake? Are running backs becoming extinct in today's pass-happy offenses? And should they become extinct? Well, I think that it, it is um, – well, I think they – I wouldn't say it's becoming extinct. I think the the day of the premier, the premier running back, that is kind of being downplayed. But I think it, it has a lot to do with injury, you know, because it is a brutal position. So, um, I think what they've noticed over the years is, you know, one back compared to having two or three, you get more durability. But as a running back – it's terrible, you know, because you never get to get to get that same rhythm that that quarterback is getting against that defense. You know, every play he's learning something new about that defense that he didn't go over in the scouting uh, report and everything else. So that's how I approached the running game was being able to, you know, uh, set things up for later on in the game, see how to see how the defenses and the linebackers are playing. That's that that's what you want to do so you can have have your way in the third and fourth quarter, you know, hopefully. But I think by having two or three running backs by committee and this whole thing, it just it just screws up, you know, that running back and uh, how his approach should be in the game. Now, going into the game, it's I need to get the big run. I need to get the big run. My old lineman, uh, line coach and running back coaches, they would always tell me, don't look for the big run. You know, don't look for the big runs. Let it come. You know, run your tracks and do your thing. Now, it's more of if you're going to stay in the game and you're going to be the hot back and the one they're going to go to more, you have to go out and have an explosive run, you know, early in order Mm -hmm. to get that. So, I really – I don't like it. um, But I think that what will happen is you always have to come back to the running game. I don't don't care how much you throw the ball or whatever. When it comes down to to the the, the weather and the elements outside and championship time, uh, you have to depend on the running game. Jamal, quick question for you. We've got about 30 seconds left. Do you like the rules changes now that are designed to protect the players and, and take away from the physical nature of the game? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I, I like what the league is doing now uh, with everything they're implementing. Um, I think it just makes the game safer. It makes guys play more honest, and it also makes them use, use good technique, you know, that they've been taught uh, as a child. So, uh, I, I like it, and I like what they're doing from a safety standpoint. It just has to, you know, kind of uh, change the culture of the game and flow down to youth football as well. Jamal, thanks so much for the time. And, oh, by the way, 
if we come across a terrible towel, we're going to light it on fire for you. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll play Renegade and light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Hey, Jamal, y'all thank have, you. Thanks, Jamal. Good Thanks, Jamal. Right. You too. No problem. That was former Baltimore running back Jamal Lewis. When we return, we'll talk more about that Ravens-Steelers rivalry. Really, one of the best out there. As well as hear why former tackle Joe Jacoby, who's a Hall of Fame semifinalist, belongs in Canton. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hey, want to step into my cough cloud? Your what? Baby, when I cough, I expel a cloud of droplets that hangs in the air all around me. It's wet, wild, and potentially virus-filled. And it's big enough for two. (laughs) Ugh, cough clouds are sick. So take Robitussin DM Max. It soothes your throat and delivers fast, powerful cough relief. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Hi, Tom Bodette trying out this paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. It's just a reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Proactive. Where Goose, for just $19.95, you can get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush valued at $45. That sounds like a good deal. It's because it is. But what's better... You get clear and you stay clear or your money back. Call 1-800-644-9544. That's 1-800-644-9544. We're also brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and mine does, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that may be slowing down your computer. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com. Guys, everyone knows by now uh, that Odell Beckham Jr. was suspended one game for his antics in last week's Carolina Giants game. And that's one where, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. and Carolina's Josh Norman went ballistic on each other, and that was bad. But if you watch the Ravens and the Steelers over the year, it seems to me it wasn't all that different from some of the physical and maybe overly physical plays you saw from that series. Yeah, this was one of the great robberies of the 2000 decade. The Colts, Patriots, and Manning-Brady was an offensive ballet. 
Raven Steelers was a tap dance defensively on your face. These were two teams. <laughs> Ouch. They prided themselves in their defense and their physicality. They chose to hit rather than be hit. There was jawing between the two sides in the pregame, during the game, and the postgame. This was big boy football at its very best, <laughs> and there wasn't a winner in this game, merely a survivor. Hey, Ronnie, you cover some big boys. You cover boxing. Um, yes. Is it a, yeah, is this a stretch to say the Ravens-Steelers rivalry might be the closest thing we have, at least in the NFL, to 15 rounds with, let's say, Tyson or Holyfield or Mayweather? Well, there's no question. You know, Every one of their games, no matter the outcome, is a, a slugfest. And it didn't really matter if the teams were good or they were bad or they were somewhere in between and one was good and one was bad or both were bad. Every one of them ended up, ended up being a you know, Gotti Ward fight. Uh, you got to bring your lunch bail if you want to get involved because this is going to take a while. It's going to take all day. Uh, you know, and to me, that was a great part of it. Even at the, uh, at the end of a one-sided game, somebody was going to get a hit in the lip. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I, I think it's one of the best rivalries ever, and I remember – what uh, Mike Tomlin said after 2010, he said, it's the best rivalry out there. And John Harbaugh, friend of the show, agreed with him. And I agree with him, too. Uh, but no great rivalry, of course, would be complete without great games. And these guys have had them. In fact, there was a, there was a number recently about the number of games that were separated between these two teams, uh, separated by three or fewer points. It was astounding how many of them. There, there was an overwhelming percentage was separated by just three points. Um, and I know there have been a litany of them in this series. So, Goose... I'll ask you to really start the conversation here. Of these Baltimore-Pittsburgh games, is there one or more than one that stands out for you? Sure. Since 2000, the AFC title game has featured at least one of these teams eight times, but only once did they play each other in 2008. Pittsburgh won the AFC North that year. Ravens were a wild card. Pittsburgh won the two regular season games by a combined seven points. The title game was another white-knuckle and brass-knuckle affair. The Ravens trailed 16-14 when they got the ball back with four minutes to play. Everyone at Heinz Field was on the edge of their seats, but Troy Palomalo intercepted a Joe Flacco pass and ran it back 40 yards to put the game away, and you could hear the sigh of relief from that stadium across the Ohio border. Yeah, no, I remember that because I was at the game. Ronnie, uh, you're next in the witness box here. What game between these two teams stands out for you? Well, one of the games I like is, is because, to me, it symbolizes what these guys were all about and that was the Super Bowl-winning Ravens' final loss in, in 2000, which was against the Steelers. You guys may remember, 9-6. to six, Oh, yeah. The Steelers right. scored a touchdown and a safety to win the game. And that was during that Baltimore uh, drought stretch where they went five games without their offense scoring a touchdown. And I thought what that game showed you was not only the sort of rock-rib nature of the, of the whole rivalry, but also the fact that, that the Steelers showed that day that they had turned the corner. They were coming back from the mess they were in the mid the late 80s back into contention. And Baltimore was showing you, even though they lost that game, the kind of defense that they, they had, and it was going to carry them a long way. And, of course, it took them to the championship. I, I, I'm going to sort of fast forward from there, Ron, uh, 10 years to 2010. It's not what most people would consider a memorable game, but it's the first game I think of when I think of these two teams. And it was, Goose, you may remember, this Sunday night, um, I think it was early December, 2010, a nationally televised game. The Ravens were up 10-6 late in the game. And for whatever reason, Flacco dropped back. Uh, and he had Ray Rice with him in the backfield, who was productive at that time. He, he dropped back to throw. And again, Troy Palomalo, who Goose mentioned earlier, comes out of nowhere and hits him, sacks him, recovers the ball. And now Pittsburgh's got the ball on a short field. Okay, so the <clears throat> question is, how are they going to score against these guys? Because all they've managed are six points. On the first play of that series, Roethlisberger rolled left, 
and he has nobody open except for Terrell Suggs, who's in his face. He's got him around the shoulder with his right arm, and he's going to throw him to the ground. It's a sack. It's going to be a big loss. Except Roethlisberger shifted the ball into his left hand and threw it into the end zone, incomplete pass. It was a great play. It was an incomplete pass, but it was a great play because he didn't take the sack. And then two plays later, he throws the touchdown pass. Nobody but Roethlisberger, in my mind, could have made that play simply because he extended plays so well because he's built like a linebacker. But he fought off Terrell Suggs, didn't take the sack, then got him in the end zone. I thought it was a terrific game and a terrific play. You know, if you want to take a game uh, from this rivalry and put it at a time capsule, it'd be the 2000 game in Baltimore. Two great defenses controlled the game that day with the Steelers prevailing 9-6. Cordell Stewart and Trent Dilfer were the quarterbacks, so both teams tried to run the ball and both teams failed. That was the last time the Ravens lost that season. They won their final seven regular season games to claim a wildcard spot with a 12-4 record, then won four straight in the postseason to claim their first Lombardi trophy. That competition with the Steelers forged a champion in Baltimore. Ronnie, you got something? Well, in 2005, they played a Monday night game at uh, at Heinz Field. At the time, the uh, Ravens were, I think, two touchdown underdogs. Uh, they took the lead late in the game, 19-17, to stunning the crowd there uh, because they had a botched punt attempt, gave Baltimore a short field, and they scored. Looked like it was all over. They come back uh, in the end and end up winning on a field goal 20-19. to Now, why is that significant beyond the fact it was your usual sort of a tussle in the muscle? Well, it's because if they had lost that game, uh, it would have cost them the play a playoff spot. They never would have gone to the Super Bowl. They wouldn't have won the Super Bowl, and everything would be different uh, for the history of, of that era of Steeler teams. So, uh, again, it was a fight to the finish, and they found a way to win it. And in the end, of course, uh, took them all the way to the Super Bowl. Tussle with a muscle. Like you like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like hey, that. one other thing I'll, I'll mention then. I know we got to get to Goose and State your case, but 2010, that playoff game with Baltimore, too, memorable. Because remember, third and 19, late in the game, tie game 24-24, Roethlisberger, third and 19, throws a 58-yarder to an unknown rookie, Antonio Brown. Wow. He's not an unknown. He's not a rookie. Joe Jacoby was a great, great player. He wasn't part of that rivalry, but he's part of a good one, Dallas-Washington. He's also a Hall of Fame semifinalist who's going to join us next week. But according to Rick Oslin, he's a tackle we should take seriously and consider seriously from Canton and Goose. I know you wrote about it on our website this week, talkoffamenetwork.com. You want to explain? Yeah, the counter tray is one of the most iconic plays in NFL history. The Washington Redskins hired Joe Gibbs as their head coach in 1981, and he brought along Joe Bugle to coach the offensive line. Gibbs also coached, coaxed running back John Riggins out of retirement and replaced four starters on the offensive line, everyone to the left of right tackle George Stark. Redskins used a first-round draft pick on guard Mark May, a third-rounder on guard Russ Grimm, and signed a lanky left tackle Joe Jacoby as an undrafted college free agent. Gibbs also promoted a second-year center, Jeff Bostick, and then unleashed his hogs in the counter tray on the NFL. That running play became a staple of three Super Bowl champions. It helped Gibbs, Riggins, and Grimm earn busts in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but the Redskins remained one bust light in Canton. That would be the Jacoby bust. He started for three seasons in college at Louisville with his basketball body, but in the 1981 draft, he was not one of the 332 players taken, nor one of the 20 eight offensive tackles to go. He signed with the Redskins and emerged as a key element in the signature play of the Gibbs era because he was a rare pulling tackle. Jacoby was a long shot to make the Redskins as a rookie. Washington drafted five blockers that year, and Jacoby wasn't one of them. Not only did he make the team as a rookie, he found himself starting 
at left tackle by the end of September. He spent the first eight NFL seasons there, earning four consecutive Pro Bowl bursts from 83 to 86. The Redskins won Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks and three different running backs. The one staple was the Hogs. Jacoby protected his quarterbacks from some of the most accomplished pass rushers in NFL history. Hall of Famers Reggie White, Bruce Smith, Lawrence Taylor, Charles Haley, to name a few. He retired in 1993 and became eligible for Canton in 1999 after the mandatory five-year waiting period. He's been a six-time semifinalist now with his 17 years of eligibility, but has never been a finalist. So his candidacy has never been discussed by the full committee. That's an oversight that needs to be addressed. All worthy Hall of Fame candidates need to be discussed. Joe Jacoby is worthy. Well, you don't go six-time semifinalist. It strikes me as sort of interesting. You know, you hear, you find that a lot with finalists. They keep coming back, they keep coming back. Not that many guys keep coming back as semifinalists. What kept uh, bringing him back, and what seems to keep stalling him one step short of the debate? Offensive lineman, no stats. He's got three Super Bowl rings, which gets him in discussion, but without stats, it's hard to push. Without stats, uh, we're without time here. We've got to go. We're going to be talking to someone you'd want caroling and kicking for you when we return. That's Baltimore's Justin Tucker. It's the Talk of Fame Network. <coughs> hey, want to step into my cough cloud? Your what? Baby, when I cough, I expel a cloud of droplets that hangs in the air all around me. It's wet, wild, and potentially virus-filled. And it's big enough for two. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. So take Robitussin DM Max. It soothes your throat and delivers fast, powerful cough relief. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. 1-800-644-5944. Would you like a cleaning product that can be used in the garage, the laundry, and the kitchen, and save space in your cabinet? Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Concentrated all-purpose Simple Green is the answer for versatile cleaning throughout your home and garage. I'm so certain you'll love Simple Green. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. To learn more, visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Well, anyone who's on the internet or watches YouTube knows something about our next guest, even if they don't know anything about pro football. No, it's not operatic tenor Richard Tucker. It's Baltimore's Justin Tucker, who not only is one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL, and I mean ever, but has one of the best voices anywhere. It can sing operatic arias in seven languages. And he exercised that voice recently when he sang, 
Ave Maria before an overflow audience at Baltimore's Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary as part of the Catholic Charities 2015 Festival. And if you listen here, you can hear part of that. Uh, it's pretty explosive, honestly. When I heard it for the first time, I thought I was listening to somebody from the New York Met. I, it, it's, it's really, really a fine performance by Justin Tucker. And Justin, I guess my question for you is, what response have you gotten to your appearance? And I mean, especially from some of your teammates on the Ravens. <laughs> um, well, uh, first, thanks for having me on. I appreciate sure. it. Um, you know, the the uh, the initial responses were actually pretty cool. I mean, I, I didn't really have any expectations. Uh, I think I said before, talking to various members of the local media and what have you, that I was probably way more nervous <laughs> getting ready to sing in front of a group of people than uh, I ever have been uh, out on a football field uh, doing what we do out there. But, uh, you know, I was glad that people uh, were were genuinely excited to, to hear me sing. And, uh, you know, we had some fun with it. It was for a great cause. But, uh, yeah, some teammates have, uh, you know, they, I think they were trying to rib me at first. But then, you know, I was like, <laughs> I mean, hey, did you guys listen to it? And they're like, <laughs> well, no, we, we just heard that you did it. Uh, and then they – got on YouTube and checked it out or got on the Ravens website and checked it out. Right. And, uh, you know, a couple of guys are like, huh, not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's better than not but bad. No, I think it's fabulous. It was definitely a fun night. Yeah. It's, it's a terrific performance. And I know you were a music major at UT university of Texas, but how many solos have you actually done in public? One, uh, just one, uh, that you guys were just playing on the air. That was the oh, first time it. that I ever, yeah, so uh, the only other experience that I had had singing uh, or performing was at the end of each semester at the University of Texas, music students were required to, uh, you know, do a uh, perform in front of a jury of faculty members. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I said at that point, just singing in front of five to ten members of the faculty, uh, you know, professors, deans, etc., that was nerve-wracking. So. Uh, you scale that up by about, I don't know, like 70 times the number of people there. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then performing with the, the musicians that were there that night, they were all so talented. The other uh, soloist who carried the, the the bulk of the load for the evening, she was amazing. But, uh, you know, I was, I was definitely blessed just to have the opportunity and for it to go as, as well as I think it did. <laughs> um, it, was, it was definitely a cool experience. I know you said you were way more nervous than for uh, probably a game-deciding field goal or line up for a field goal. How did, how did you calm yourself down? Well, I just was – I don't even really know. It's Once you get into the moment, uh, you know, at first, you know, before that first note, you know, I was breathing pretty hard, and the, I could tell my heart rate was up there. But, um, you know, once, once you kind of get into it and, uh, you know, that piece to me as a – as a Catholic, it means a lot to me, especially around this time of the year. You know, Christmas time is a time you kind of, I don't know, get a, get a chance to reflect on uh, a lot of these things for me spiritually. So uh, you kind of get into those first few notes and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the rest just, you know, I, I, you know, I, I honestly felt like I was just kind of carried through it, you know, through, you know, you know, just from being in that, that building uh, and then, you know, just being in that moment. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to describe. I just felt like I was carried through it, though. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I wasn't in that building, but honestly, I think you carry your audience, anyone anyway, listens to that on YouTube or at home. It's, it's a terrific performance. And we're speaking with Baltimore kicker Justin Tucker. And Justin, oh, where'd the voice come from? I mean, did you first discover it uh, singing in the shower, the lobby, or were you classically trained? I mean, wh where did you first get that voice? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll backtrack a second here. I uh, first got into music uh, in the middle school uh, or by participating in a middle school band and I played the trumpet. Uh, and that was kind of my first, you know, experience with, uh, classical music or performing, uh, you know, or getting into the technical aspect of music. So when I got into college, I was a broadcast journalism major and, you know, I took my first few classes with that and, you know, no offense. It just kind of wasn't for me. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I wanted to get into something else that, you know, I could go to school, get a degree at the University of Texas without feeling like I was in school. And I think that's kind of the ultimate goal uh, for anybody is, you know, if you're, you know, if you're working, you want to go to work and not feel like you're at work. Um, so I kind of figured I'd apply that a little bit earlier while I was in school. And, uh, you know, I was I, I, I decided that I was going to try to get into the music school. So everybody has to audition with a voice or, or an instrument instrument of choice. And I decided that, well, shoot, I'll just try singing my way in and maybe I can fool them <laughs> into letting <laughs> me in. Um, but before I, before I did that, I took the advice of you know, some of the faculty members and the counselors, uh, those types of people. They said, listen, you're not just going to get in. You got to train. You, you've got to figure out how to sing uh, in a style that will, you know, show that you have a, an appreciation for the technical side of music because that's important here. So before I even auditioned, I took voice lessons with uh, another student at the university for, you know, a good full semester. When I went through my initial audition, I, you know, it, I thought it went pretty well. And then, you know, I got some feedback and then they said, okay, well you're in. Uh, and then from that point forward, part of my degree requirements, uh, I was a recording tech major more or less. And, you know, I basically was pushing buttons while the real musicians were doing their thing. But every music school student has to, you know, train uh, with their principal instrument. And mine was my voice. So I took voice lessons for two semesters, which I thought was going to be something I would just grind through. But uh, I ended up, you know, really enjoying it. Uh, the guy who coached me up, Nikita Storzhev, he's a renowned bass singer. He was an ex-professional ex hockey player in Russia as well. So we had that to kind of, you know, bond over and uh he coached me up like literally coached me in a way that was you know it was pretty intense i would leave voice lessons like more physically and mentally exhausted than after a 6 a.m summer workout with mad dog at a at a texas football facility so you know long story less long uh you know over those first couple years of college uh that's when i really got into learning how to sing in uh in that style Justin, that's a two-minute warning, which means we've got to get going. But I got a quick question before we do. Any <laughs> chance? Any chance we can get you to sing the national anthem at the next Super Bowl? I mean, if I was nervous singing in front of five people <laughs> or five hundred people, singing in front of I don't know five hundred million, which is I don't know if that's close, but I don't think I could do that, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll take uh, that as I'll take you know, that as a that's no. All <laughs> yeah. Hey, Justin, thanks so <laughs> much knows, for the maybe, time. Maybe, maybe thanks. I'll get the courage. Well, yeah, you do a great job on and off the field. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the music, and enjoy the holidays. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Same to you. That was Baltimore kicker Justin Tucker, and this, this is the two-minute drill.
If a team wins a division with a sub-500 record, should it be allowed in the playoffs? Yeah. See the 2014 Carolina Panthers or the 2010 Seattle Seahawks. They both won playoff games. Seattle beat the defending Super Bowl champs. Wrong, Mr. Whatever your name is. They should be relegated to the Arena League like they do over in England. Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota? Neither. Connor Cook. Spartan. Spartan. Jameis Winston. I just watched Mariota play like a blind man against the Patriots. No, that was Jay Mariotti. <laughs> Kellen Moore won an NCAA record 50 games at Boise State. How many will he win quarterbacking the Dallas Cowboys? More than Brandon Whedon and Matt Castle combined. Unless they start scheduling Idaho State and Wyoming, not very many. The city of St. Louis has committed $150 million for a new football stadium. What would $150 million buy in Los Angeles? Uh, preferred parking to Dean Spanos' new stadium in Carson. <laughs> A taco stand on Pico. <laughs> Which 9-5 team do you like best? Kansas City, Pittsburgh, or Seattle? Seattle, because it's beginning to look a lot like last year. That was terrible. <laughs> that was <laughs> awful. That was awful. <laughs> Pittsburgh! They're healthy, and they got a quarterback who can beat anybody. Russell Wilson? Cam Newton or Tom Brady? Please. I'll take Superman. Tom Brady! Well, he's not available, Superman. The only Newtons I take over Brady are Isaac Newton and Fig Newton. <laughs> the Bills haven't made the playoffs since 1999. What should this team's slogan be in 2016? Better here than Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Big hat, no cattle. <laughs> we want to thank Carl Mecklenburg, Jamal Lewis, and Bill Hancock for joining us. Justin Tucker for entertaining us. Derek Burns for producing us. Oh, man. And you for listening. If you want to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkofhandnetwork.com, or catch us on iTunes. Otherwise, tune to this station at this time next week when we'll have Joe Jacoby, Daryl Johnston, and Todd Gurley. We'll see you then. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. <coughs> hey, want to step into my cough cloud? Your what? Baby, when I cough, I expel a cloud of droplets that hangs in the air all around me. It's wet, wild, and potentially virus-filled. And it's big enough for two. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. So take Robitussin DM Max. It soothes your throat and delivers fast, powerful cough relief. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed.